It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Friday episode of Locked On Raptors, we open up the mailbag for the first time in a very long time. We got some great questions regarding which Raptors are going to get the all-star push by the Raptors PR team and Matt Devlin on the broadcast. We'll also dig into questions about potentially disgruntled stars around the NBA that might shake loose who are not Shea Gildas-Alexander, that he is very clearly too good to be traded. We got all that and so much more coming up on your mailbag edition of Lockdown Raptors to round out the week. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode number 1285 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, November the 18th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons. You can presently find my stuff over at Post Touches, my new Substack newsletter. You can go over to Twitter at WoodleySean. Go to my pinned tweet, subscribe through there. I'll have a post this weekend. I promise I will. I swear to God, if there's one coming out, uh, get off my back, all right? Either way, you can find me on Twitter as well with the podcast handle at Locked On Raptors. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on all your favorite podcast apps. And we are on YouTube if you want to go hit the big red subscribe button over there. It's possible that YouTube will be the only place you can find me uh, and not on Twitter sometime soon. Although, let's be real. Twitter's not going anywhere. We're going down with the shit, baby. All right, let's uh, get to today's show. Thank you so much, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. And we are opening up the mailbag for, I think, the first time since the preseason. So we got a bit of a backlog of questions to get to. Thanks to those who sent them in. I did make a little post on the YouTube channel asking for mailbag submissions, and I got no responses there. So uh, keep an eye out. It's on the community tab for future reference and you can go and submit your questions over there uh whenever i put a little post up there i'll also alert you when there's a podcast mailbag mailbag podcast coming up on the show in the future as well either way let's get to it on today's show we got mailbag questions galore going to talk about all stars going to talk about thad young and christian coloco and delano banton and some questions about them going forward and we have questions about uh potentially disgruntled stars around the league that maybe are the next guys to circle as potential trade targets for your toronto raptors who of course are very much uh seemingly laying in wait for some kind of consolidation trade sometime down the line or maybe that's not necessary at all we'll get to that at the end of the show but let's dive in now to the gaggle of questions we've got coming in and this one comes from our pal jay regular question asker which toronto raptor is raptors pr going to get behind for an all-star game nod push in brackets better be og 
I can see why OG would be the guy. Obviously, he has been the only Raptor to play in all the games, except for, I think, Christian Coloco. Uh, he has been a massive force for this Raptors team. He's been swinging positive play better than anybody but Pascal Siakam, essentially, among regularly playing players. He's been outstanding. I do kind of wonder if the lack of counting stats might come against him. Like, people don't vote for the All-Star game based on really good defensive metrics like that that's not really a thing even with the high steal and block totals for OG just doesn't really feel like that's going to be a great case for him to make the all-star game I think you could argue he's been one of the 12 best players in the Eastern Conference so far this season uh it's loaded competition obviously the Eastern Conference is quite good and deep and there are some teams who have very clear all-stars who have not been performing super well um so it's a tough field I ultimately think this is still going to be a Pascal Siakam campaign. Missing 8 to 10 games should not be a death knell. I know it was last year for Pascal, but that was the first 10 games of the season. His sort of story was already written a little bit by not having played in the first 10 games or so, and it felt like he was playing catch-up. It's just the way it works in your brain. We've seen Pascal play like one of the 10 best players alive already this year. If he can get back to it and have a couple of months of steady play of coming back from this injury, he, to me, feels like the obvious all-star pick. Hell, he might even compete for a starter's job once the voting picks up. Uh, he's been that good, and you know he's he's been, I think, voted a starter before. And Raptors fans, we know, are psychotic when it comes to voting for stuff. And so I still think it'll be Pascal. We could see two guys get the push. You know, I think we saw last year Pascal and Fred get a little bit of a nudge from the PR. Obviously, Fred was the big guy that Matt Devlin was incessantly calling Freddie All-Star on the show or on the broadcast, which is cool. That's why we love Matt Devlin. He's very committed to the bit and the propaganda, which is cool. But I think Pascal is going to be the clear guy. And OG might sneak in as like an injury replacement type, maybe a coach's pick. I don't really see him getting voted in. And if he's not voted in, I think it's going to be a difficult pathway, which is not to say that he's been anything less than incredible because he has. It's just the, the NBA is loaded with very good players and you get to 12 players extremely fast. And Pascal, he's made an all-star game before. He's got two all-NBAs. He feels like more of a surefire bet to me. So I would bet that once Siakam gets back, they will fire up the old Pascal propaganda machine. Shout out at Pascal Propaganda or a Pascal Fan Club, our pal on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> either way, that, that, I feel like that's going to be it. And he's deserving. Pascal's incredibly deserving of being an all-star. As great as OG's been, he hasn't been as good as Pascal was before he got hurt. He was fantastic, and I very much look forward to hopefully him coming back here in the next few games as the Raptors hit a bit of a lull in their very busy schedule. Let's get to the next question here. This one uh, also comes from our pal Jay. We'll get to Jay's questions early on here. Which Raptors have shown promise during this injury-riddled stretch that will have their improvements translate to the late-season rotation and minutes there? I hard time with this one honestly uh, Delano Banton's the guy who pops obviously he had the 27 points against the Pistons on Monday he is uh you know a very tantalizing player well, there's another Delano Banton question coming up later that I think is maybe a little bit ambitious we'll get to that but I, I think as far as this season you know he obviously does some things that really help the team he's great in transition incredible in transition he's also amazing finishing around the rim was looking up his early season numbers and per nba's tracking data 82.6 is his field goal percentage in the restricted area 19 of 23 that is very very good um less than eight feet he's shooting 62.5 percent less than five feet he's shooting 76 percent so all around the basket delano benton has been putting it in 
mid-range not so good uh really really bad actually from the mid-range eight to 16 feet two of seven 16 to 24 feet one of six obviously the threes are falling at a sort of you know middling rate 32.4 percent for him so far this year and honestly it's the three-point shooting that gives me pause as to whether or not banton's going to be a late season rotation player for this team because you can't run your offense with Delano Banton as your primary initiator with the ball in his hands all the time. There are always going to be better players on the floor, whether it's Scotty Barnes, OG, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam. You would rather have all four of those guys initiating than Delano Banton. You'd probably rather have Thad Young initiating than Delano Banton, maybe even Gary Trent Jr., just considering that Trent actually has a bit of an in-between game and it's not so boomer bust where he's either with Banton. It's like he's getting to the rim or he's not really getting any sort of advantage going against the defense. So the three-point shooting is going to be the thing that gets Banton on the floor. And as we saw in the game on Wednesday against the Heat, he went one of six before going out with the ankle injury. I, I don't know if we've gotten an update as of right now. There was nothing yesterday, I don't think. But we'll, we'll see what happens today ahead of the game in Atlanta tomorrow, if Banton's going to be available or not. I would guess probably not. Ankle sprains can be a little fickle. It's tough. He The three-point shooting has to be there. The 33% is like just on the borderline of making it passable, obviously. That's kind of the, the math zone you want to be in, 33 and higher, um, to make those shots worth it. But it, it's, you know, I, I don't see him being the guy that you're comfortable with handling the ball in any situation, really. Transition in a pinch, sure, but there's just going to be guys you'd rather have out there. And if he's not an effective off-ball player, he's not going to have gravity. Yes, he can cut and stuff like that, and that's great and valuable, but we've seen the value of space with this Raptors team, and I think even more so this season than ever when they've had all their shooters available. There's a lot of space out there for a guy like Pascal to drive, um, and Banton, I think, kind of cramps it a little bit. So I don't know if he is the obvious pick here, even though he feels like the obvious pick. Honestly, I think Malachi Flynn, based on what we've seen here over the last week or so, might be the guy. And again, I have never been a Malachi Flynn believer necessarily. I've never been super high on what he does, but he's looked kind of the part of like a steady floor-setting, stabilizing backup point guard. Obviously, the shooting needs to be there as much as it does have to be with Banton, but I think there's a bit more of a track record there with Flynn, at least. Um, at least a little bit more sort of pedigree as a shooter. Banton might become a better shooter, who's to say? But, um, you know, the way he operates pick and roll, the way he's kind of worked in very small doses with Christian Coloco, I think the Flynn on-court fit makes a lot more sense, and uh, I could see him being the guy who kind of runs with minutes later in the season. Wancho, we'll see. I still think his defense is, you know, not exactly what you want, even though he's very fundamentally sound. Um, it, is, it is, like, positionally in the right places. Overall, though, as just, like, a defensive guy, I'm not sure he's really driving the transition machine the Raptors typically like to with their defense the way a guy like Banton might, or even Flynn, who's very aggressive going for steals and is pretty stout as a one-on-one -on -one defender on other point guards as well. Uh, so Malachi Flynn's the answer to this question, I suppose. We got more questions coming up. We're going to dig into Christian Coloco. We're going to dig into Thad Young as well. We got Jersey talk coming up. We've got, again, disgruntled stars, all that. That's all coming up in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about a new sponsor we have with the network, and that is Masterclass. Masterclass is a great way to continue 
becoming smarter, learning as you grow as an adult. You don't just stop learning. You're constantly in the process of learning new things, gathering new information. And with Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn, for example, how to cook with Gordon Ramsay. You can learn how to write songs with John Legend. You can learn how to use your voice as an instrument with Mariah Carey. That's one I might do. Uh, hit that high C, baby. Either way, it's a wonderful way for you to expand, expand your knowledge, broaden your horizons, all of that good stuff. With over 180 classes from a range of world-class instructor, that thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. I highly recommend you check it out this holiday. Give one annual membership and get one for free. So go to masterclass.com slash locked on today. That's masterclass.com slash locked on terms apply. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's continue on here with your first listen of the day, your mailbag episode to round out the week. And let's dive in now to a question here from our pal Coloco Moco on Twitter. You are the official Raptors jersey purchase advisor. Assuming I want a jersey of someone staying long term, give me two must buys and two big risks. So I have a lot of thoughts on jersey purchases. I am someone who uh, recently was going through the decision-making process for the Toronto Blue Jays as to what jersey I wanted to pick up. I hadn't had a new jersey in a very long time. They got the nice baby blues. I kind of wanted a baby blue Jays jersey. Uh, This was before they went and flamed out in the playoffs and made me very sad. Either way, I think this is a very dangerous game. Uh, you have to be very smart with your jersey purchases. You don't want to go and pick yourself up a, uh, I don't know, a DeMar DeRozan a week before he gets traded. That said, DeMar DeRozan kind of fits into the category where I think he's kind of immortal. You can get a DeMar DeRozan jersey. That's always going to be cool. Um, typically, I my, advi- my advice to people is get jerseys of people who don't play for the team anymore. And because they're immortal, you're always safe. You're not at really any risk of, you know, some sort of calamity befalling the player with the team, some sort of bad fallout, some weird trade, whatever it might be. I, I think that's always the safest route to go. With the Raptors, I think... There are probably a couple guys right now who you could say are immortals. Pascal Siakam, that jersey's always going to be cool. He's won an NBA title. He's got hardware. He's got a great story. He's probably going to be around a lot longer as well. Like, I know it's chalk, but it's chalk for a reason. Pascal Siakam is a very safe jersey purchase. Fred Van Vliet, probably too, even though he's going to be expiring this season. I think for me, if I were in the process of buying a Raptors jersey, which I'm not at the moment... I, I, I typically like to go for more of the deep cuts. I think, you know, you want to sort of be able to turn heads at a music festival one day. Shout out Alex Wong uh, with your bizarrely specific Raptors jersey. And I think for me, Thad Young would be a pretty good choice right now. There's risk for sure. This is one of your big risks for sure because he is right in that salary zone where he could easily be jettisoned off at the deadline in some sort of consolidation trade, matching salaries, and you're sitting there all sad. 
That said, Thad is cool as hell. And having a Thad Young jersey, even from if he plays less than a year calendar-wise with the team, I feel like that's always going to be a bit of a statement piece. That's never going to be out of style. Everyone's always going to think back to, oh, man, remember Thad Young, that guy who could have no points and eight rebounds and be one of the best players on the floor? I, I think we're seeing, you know, obviously he's been pretty good lately. He's playing some small ball center. The Raptors are using him in a position in which he's going to succeed and cause fanfare and get people excited, make him a fan fave, all of that. So I will say Thad Young is a risky pick right now, but I would certainly recommend it. OG, I think, is also a really good pick. Um, maybe you feel like you're kind of getting on the bandwagon late if you get yourself an OG right now, but he should be around a long time, I would assume. And uh, he's always going to be cool. Again, always going to be cool. I, also, I will say, if you can find yourself any sort of discounted Serge Ibaka Raptors jersey, that one is going to age extremely well. I have a Serge Ibaka Raptors jersey. It's one of my prized possessions because that one is never going out of style. He's probably going to work for the team in some sort of social media content capacity one day. Uh, you're going to want to be in on the Serge Ibaka you know, bandwagon, I think, uh, if you haven't already been. You can find those discounted jerseys or you can just get a custom one made. Who cares? Um, but I think Serge is, uh, is a really good pick as well. If you're going sort of recent history, guys, you still might be able to find a discounted jersey of, although maybe we're a little bit too far out of that window where you can go to the NBA discount site and find it. By the way, if you've never done it, go to the NBA's discount jersey site and you get, yes, you get a mix of like problematic guys who aren't in the league anymore and their jerseys are available. Don't buy those. But sometimes you get one like I got, which is a Zach Randolph Sacramento Kings jersey. That's a beauty, baby. Um, and I think like the Thad Young is like very much in that sort of range of jersey. It's it's my stuff in, in particular. Uh, very, very in my wheelhouse. Um, great question, though. Let's continue on. This one comes from Eric Morris. Typically, he does have a jersey question, uh, but I'm not going to answer it because it's about which teams have good and bad jerseys against the Raptors so far this season. The answer is they're all bad. The NBA's jersey situation is pretty dire right now, and I have uh, a really hard time with it. Nike sucks, and these city jerseys are, by and large, awful, terrible, stupid. They're out of ideas, and so I'm not going to answer that question from Eric. I will answer this one, though. Is Coloco's current role what we should expect for the rest of the year? Starting the year with him in the starting lineup was a pleasant surprise, but maybe it feels better having him come off the bench to finish alley-oops, rim protect, and rebound for 15 minutes a night. Yeah, I think, I mean, at full health, he's not starting. They're going to go with the small starting five with Scotty as your sort of nominal center, and I think that's fine. Uh, um, you know, I would like to see more of that group together. I think at its best, it looks fantastic and more or less unguardable. At its worst, it's kind of trading off isolations, yada, yada, yada. Um, but I would like to see that lineup continue to be the starting five if and when the Raptors are ever healthy, and that grows to be a more perplexing if, seemingly, by the day. Um, when it comes to Coloco's role, I don't mind him as a spot starter in certain matchups. If it's a certain center or something like that, you need some seven foot one beef in there. I don't think that's a problem. Not that I would really call Christian Coloco beef at the moment. He's, uh, you know, he's very uh, lean, I would say. He's kind of skinny. I don't know if he's, like, super beefy. He's not exactly in the Wagyu zone just yet, like our friend, you know, Chuck Hayes. Or that's sort of the two ends of the spectrum uh, in the beef zone. <laughs> What's going on? Um but I do think, you know, Coloco coming off the bench is kind of perfect. I think you can pair him with lineups that are going to utilize him as a pick-and-roll threat. They don't run a ton of pick-and-roll with that Raptors starting five um, just because, you know, it's just they have other ways they go about. They hunt mismatches, that type of thing. They run a lot of Siakam stuff, and you'd rather run Siakam-Fred pick-and-roll than Siakam-Coloco pick-and-roll, I would say. You know, Fred-Coloco pick-and-roll we've seen is pretty nice, but, um, you know, I, I think you can kind of put Coloco into better situations to succeed 
pairing him with specific guys coming off the bench. Maybe that's where you get Malachi Flynn, his later season minutes as a pick and roll partner for Christian Coloco, around whom you can dot shooters and defenders, and you just kind of play traditional basketball with your second unit. I don't hate that idea by any means. Um, you know, again, there'll be certain matchups where Coloco's valuable, and like the numbers when he's on the floor are pretty undeniable. The Raptors' defense, I think still, I, gotta, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but last check, they were still a, a better than 100, uh, like underneath... 100 net rating defensively or defensive rating with him on the floor. Um, they give up fewer than one point per possession when Christian Coloco is on the floor. That's what that means. That's really freaking good. And he might just be a cheat code because of how big he is surrounded by other big guys. Um, but he's still green, right? Like the offense is not quite there all the time. The touch isn't quite there. He's not quite as forceful and strong a rebounder as you'd like to see for a guy at that size. I'm sure that will come again as he adds more beef to his, uh, you know, slender frame and all of that. But for now, coming off the bench as like your sort of backup big, I think it's totally fine. And there will be spot start here and there, but uh, I, I don't dislike the way they've used Coloco the last few games here after Thad's moved into the starting five, because Thad Young, as your small ball center, is pretty awesome, which takes me to another question from our friend Jay, which is Thad in the short roll. It's amazing. Elaborate on all the reasons why it is. <sighs> Guys, Thad Young. I, I, I'm just uh, head over heels with this uh, weird little player. Um, you know, I, I think... It's not a surprise, like I've said this week, as we've kind of seen the fad happening, you know, come around. It's he's a really good small ball center. He does center things. He can make those reads on the short roll and the pick and roll. He can finish sort of on the pick and roll, even though it's very underneath the rim. Um, I just the passing he has from that spot. It's not just a short roll. It's the it's the elbow stuff. It's you know the sort of the 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 chaos plays where he kind of always seems to know where to shoot the ball once he's recovered it. He he's just he's a really connective basketball player. And working with the Raptors' better players, it just all kind of sings, right? Um, you know, once they get their guys back here, I would imagine there will be some times where he does close games as the small ball five, whether it's with Scotty Barnes taking his seat and Gary Trent Jr. being on the floor or vice versa. Maybe they sit Gary, have Barnes, OG, Siakam, Fred with Thad Young. Um, you know, might get a little tricky with spacing there, but if Scotty and Pascal can be passably decent shooting threes, I think you can get by there. The defense should be fantastic. The playmaking, the cutting, the sort of all the harmony, I think, is is very much there. And Thad very much is the conductor that brings everything all together. And um, he's just a valuable player, man. And to me, that trade is such a win, such a hilarious win. You drop 12 spots in the draft to take the guy you probably would have taken anyway in Christian Coloco. And there's no one really in the range between 21 and 33 right now who's popping off and making you feel like, oh, God, they made a horrible mistake trading down in the draft. And you get Thad Young, who just, again, is this perfect complimentary piece to go with really good players. He doesn't have to shoot at all. He can take zero shots in a game and still be effective. The offensive rebounding is awesome. It's just Thad Young. Can't get enough of him, man. I actually might go out and buy myself a Thad Young jersey now that I keep on talking about him and that we've talked about jerseys on this show. You might be uh, Thad jersey pilling me with these questions. We're going to continue on, round out the show in just one moment and uh, get to a couple more mailbag questions, including circling to find some potentially disgruntled stars to make fake trades about. We'll get to that in just one sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball, soccer, the World Cup's coming up. Ever heard of it? 
You got esports, everything else that you could want as well. And they're there to make you the informed wager instead of just indiscriminately pulling up the app and, you know, putting in, oh, I'm going to bet on this and this and this without any sort of direction or guidance. That's what I do. Don't be like me. Uh, be, be the informed wager. Go to bet online, get the injury updates, the analysis, and figure out where's the best place you should be putting your money each and every time you go to bet. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use your mobile device. Learn more. Bet online is where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here, rounding out your mailbag episode here on a Friday of Locked On Raptors. Thanks, as always, to those who sent the questions in. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. All that good stuff. This question here comes from, I'm trying to find it. I have it here. This one's from Ben Chapman, who asks... Who is the next prime slash pre-prime star we can star guard we think might be available now that Shea Gilgis Alexander seems much less likely? Yeah, um, Shea's awesome. The Thunder, if they trade him, Sam Presti should be fired into the sun. I'm finding myself liking the Thunder, which is not a thing I do. I know I've talked about on this podcast how much I detest the whole concept of the tank and the process and all of that. I think it sucks. I think it kind of saps the competitive spirit out of the sport. It's not what we do this for. And, you know, throwing away seasons and alienating your fans in the interest of speculative teenagers sucks to me. So I'm glad to see Shea Gildas-Alexander is making the Thunder too good right now. You know, I guess the way that Shea ends up being on the market is if the Thunder do the Thunder thing and pull the plug on this pretty promising early season where they look cool and fun and awesome and they have a borderline MVP candidate, maybe an MVP candidate, full stop, in Shea. They could pull the plug on this at any time because Sam Presti's a freak who, if you read uh, Katie Heindel's wonderful Halloween piece, is a lizard who likes to store eggs and hoard eggs um, to potentially have them hatch into guys who might be good players one day or maybe they're bad. Darius Baisley's and Mitch McGarry's and other guys that Sam Presti has drafted don't always work out. But with Shea, he really does seem too good. You have to be a total lunatic to want to trade Shea Gildas-Alexander right now. He's on a new contract. It was always a pipe dream anyway for Shea to be someone the Raptors could realistically trade for. Because again, Sam Presti's whole thing is I, we're trying to find stars. We're trying to find guys to build build the thing around. He's found the guy to build the thing around. That's He's got it. Done. End of story. Like... You don't trade that guy. And so I don't think we're actually going to see it happen. And so here comes the question from Ben, who clearly also doesn't think that's happening either. Two guys I think come to mind right now, and they're still pretty early in their careers. I think they were the same draft year, now that I think about it. Um, but they play for franchises that are seemingly on a little bit of wobbly ground. And I do wonder if maybe at some point they become available. Whether the Raptors should go and trade for these guys is a whole other question, I, I think. I think you could totally argue that the Raptors maybe don't have to do anything. And like I've made this point earlier in the season, sort of during that first week where they looked really, really good before Pascal went out. It's totally possible. The Raptors have all the ingredients they need to go and win a championship between now and 2028 or whatever already in house. And it's just a matter of keeping them around, massaging it along, developing, growing all that stuff. I, I really think that's a possibility. They might not need to make a trade to go and become a title contender. 
if Scotty Barnes develops as you hope, if Pascal maintains this level of play, if OG looks like he has, definitely. Like, they already already have the goods. It's just a few years down the line where the goods will sort of pay off. So I think you could totally say, hey, maybe you don't have to go mortgage the future to go and get some kind of star. That said, two guys come to mind. Like I said, LaMelo Ball with Charlotte. Look, Charlotte could go get Victor Wembanyama in the lottery and they'll be fine and be a terrifying team to play against for the next 10 years. Um, or they could be the Hornets and continue their run on the wheel of not even mediocrity, because I actually don't think the wheel of mediocrity is all that bad. Winning 40-something games a year is not a bad thing. Making the playoffs is not a bad thing. But winning 28 games a year and flunking out in the draft lottery and not drafting well and all of this stuff, that can certainly come around and, and bite you and kind of send you into this sort of perpetual Orlando magic-like cycle where you just never get out of it and your stars are going to grow very uh, disgruntled very quickly. I think LaMelo Ball, look, it's just, I think, year three for him with Charlotte. So, you know, it's still plenty of time here. He's not even on his second contract. They have team control for a very, very long time there. But I would certainly keep an eye on him. And Anthony Edwards as well in Minnesota. If the Wolves keep on being the worst vibes team in the NBA, maybe Edwards becomes available. I also wonder how much is Edwards tied to the vibes of that team? I know they have Carl Anthony Towns, who people don't like. I know people, I know they have Rudy Gobert, who everybody seems to dislike, but Anthony Edwards, every time he opens his mouth in a Wolves press conference, kind of says things that make you really worry about the vibes and maybe his sort of general uh, energy around the team as well. And so those two guys come to mind. It's really tricky though, right? Like this stuff is so fluid. And, you know, I think earlier in the season before the Suns kind of got back on track, you would have said, oh, maybe Devin Booker's the guy. In which case, yeah, you throw everything you have at the at the Suns to go get Devin Booker because my God, he would be perfect with which, whatever players are left behind uh, after a Devin Booker trade. He would be perfect with all of them because he's really freaking good. Um, you know, so maybe he's the guy. It, it is. It does kind of depend though on like which teams disappoint. Does Luka Doncic start agitating if the Mavericks aren't very good i kind of doubt it but maybe that happens um you know just kind of looking up and down the rest of the league like is there is zach levine does he even count here he's kind of maybe on the downturn at this point with the injury history he's had um so is he a guy with the bulls maybe not it's hard to to find obvious candidates which is why i kind of think you shouldn't be going around building your team and sort of planning out your future based on all right we're gonna go trade for a guy if a guy happens to be available great and the raptors have put themselves in a great spot to be able to capitalize if that happens. But I think planning around some speculative star becoming available down the line is a bit of a, it's not all that different than just kind of earmarking your cap space to, to go and, and, and get a guy in free agency who may never come, <clears throat> Giannis. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the Raptors are in a good spot and you can continue to circle the waters and, and find, you know, guys who might shake free and, and want to be out with their teams and all that. Um, you know, and I, just this question changes kind of by the season. The off season will happen and kind of leave a new landscape. And all of a sudden, oh, that guy you didn't think about might actually be available, all of that. So um, this one is a fluid, ever-changing question, but a good one nonetheless. I kind of think maybe the Raptors don't got to worry about it. And just if something presents itself, great. If not, they've got themselves something pretty good cooking here. Where they're 9-7, and seven, they're one of the best teams in overall net rating. They are uh, top 10 in offense and defense, and they've been missing their best player for half of their games. Seems like a pretty good place to be if you are 
the Toronto Raptors right now. All right, next question. This is tied to Shea Gildas Alexander a little bit. We'll round it up with this one. This one comes from Those Guys Sports. Am I crazy? Can Delano Banton turn into a Shea in the next couple of years? Similar builds, similar issues coming out of school. Obviously, Shea is more advanced, but I see some of what Shea was in the past to what basically saying there's similarities between past Shea and current Banton. I very much disagree with this, honestly. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, those guys' sports. I just, I don't see it at all with the Banton-Shea comparison. Yes, they're both gangly weirdos from from Southern Ontario. That's, that's cool. Shea is a whole different animal, man. He is such a great creator. His handle is like a thousand times tighter than Delano Banton. If Shea's handle is tight leather pants worn by like Ross Geller on friends, then Delano Banton is like the pants that I used to wear when I was 13, when Exco elite was a thing. Um, It's, it's just not even comparable. The shot making for Shea, the ability, you look, Hey, Banton can get to the rim, I guess. And Shea can too, but Shea's proficiency with driving is so above anybody else in the league. It's such an outlier skill. I don't think you can hinge that on anyone, you know, potentially replicating. It's ridiculous how well and frequently Shea gets to the rim, how well he scores there. And, you know, it's, I'm not saying it's like akin to Steph Curry's shooting ability, but it kind of is in that no one else can even touch what that does for his team the way no one can replicate what Steph Curry's shooting does for the Warriors. That's kind of what the driving thing with Shea does, and I don't think that's a thing Benton has in his bag. The just handle's not there. Um, and, and, you know, the shooting, like, Benton has no shooting pedigree whatsoever. Shea's been a pretty decent shooter over, over the years. Um, low volume and stuff like that. He's had bad shooting seasons from deep, but he's been fine and, and has had some, you know, level of success there in the past and also like Shea came in as a first round pick a lottery pick probably could have gone higher than I think he went 13th to the Clippers 12th or whatever it was like he probably could have gone higher definitely should have gone higher in that draft and Banton was a second round pick out of Nebraska like they're they're just not the same and as much as it's nice to look at your guys on your own team and say that guy can be something amazing someday I think you got to be realistic and as much as I think Delano Banton can be a rotation player for the Raptors I kind of think that's where he taps out and Shea Gildas Alexander might be one of the five best players alive over the next five years he's incredible um and just hoping to be like that it's I think a one-way track to being disappointed with a guy if you put reasonable expectations on a guy and he overshoots them and I'm totally wrong here then great I just don't think it's fair even to suggest that anyone could be something close to what Shea Gilgis-Alexander is because that guy is one of the coolest players alive, one of the best players alive. Delano Banton, not that, unfortunately, but still good. Nothing wrong with Delano Banton. He's fun, and, and, and hopefully there's a little bit more development to go on there. But unless he can ratchet the handle up and tighten it up by orders of magnitude that we don't really have measurements for, I don't really think that's in his future. All right. That's going to round up the show. Thank you so much to those who sent in questions. Apologies if I didn't get to all your questions, but I appreciate those who sent them in. And uh, we'll do another mailbag, hopefully pretty soon. we got some days off again next week, so maybe we'll do another mailbag next week. We'll we'll, we'll keep you posted there. And uh, thank you so much for tuning into the show. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Subscribe, follow, rate, review on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube, of course. And uh, that's about it. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked on Leafs, as our pals Mike and Dave breaking down everything going on with your Toronto Maple Leafs. They lost an OT last night to the Devils, who are very good. Go check out 
Lockdown Leafs for free on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. And with that, we will round it out. We will talk to you on Monday to break down Raptors Hawks with Vivek Jacob, as always. And uh, we'll wrap it there. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.